0: Iowa
1: Everywhere and we welcome you to the Tuesday September 6th edition of the Rosenblum podcast on the Iowa Everywhere Network. I am Brent Bloom, joined by former Iowa State 12-year NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels and the game continues.
2: Sage where are you today? Today I'm on Bailey Island, uh, which never is heard of it, at, which is an island off of Maine, uh, southeast Maine. I was in a wedding. I was at a wedding, I should say, in Boston uh, over the weekend. Uh, drove about two hours up to Portland, Maine, which is a like foodie town. Had dinner there, then drove over to uh, the Driftwood Inn. You could look it up, the Driftwood Inn on ba- uh, Bailey Island, uh, in Maine. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I've never been to Maine before. Trying to, I think, I think I've been to about 46 of the 50 states. I haven't been to Alaska. I haven't been to Montana and Idaho, and there might be one more in there, but I'm checking this one off the list. And also when you drive here from Boston, you quickly go through New Hampshire for about 20 minutes, I think. Are you counting it?
1: you counting that, that as a That definitely state?
2: counts. I, I think that counts more than uh, like just stopping at the airport. Right. Like if you've Fair never enough. been, if you've only been to the Vegas airport, but never been to Las Vegas, you haven't been to Las Vegas. Right. So, uh, so anyway, I'm up here in Maine and uh, I think that's going to be a, a sort of a reoccurring aspect of the Rose and Bloom podcast is sometimes I'm, I'm home in Omaha, Nebraska. Sometimes I'm over in Des Moines or, or, uh, or Ames checking out practice. And sometimes who knows where I'll be. So uh, I'm actually tomorrow morning flying from back, going back to Boston today uh, flying to Los Angeles uh, to go out and see my son going to check out Joshua tree uh, going to take in that Raiders chargers week one game, which would there you be go. sweet. And been to SoFi yet. Uh, okay. So that'd be a new experience. Uh, might even do a quick Santa Barbara run uh, to help my girlfriend's daughter move into uh, to her apartment at uh, Santa Barbara community college. And I tell you what, not all community colleges are built the same. If you're going to go to one, try to go to Santa Barbara community college because it is absolutely gorgeous. It's right in the water. And I think a lot of those students get into uh, University of uh, California, Santa Barbara, which is really, really hard to get into. It's, it's sort of like an Iowa State engineering technical school of the California schools. And of course, with I don't know how many people are in California, 40, 50 million people or something like that. So I would I'd say,
1: say I'd say I'd say a lot,
2: very a lot, it's very competitive to get into to those California uh, state schools. And so anyway, I, I've got a, a, quite the week ahead of me. Uh next Tuesday, I will be um I, I'll I'll be back in Omaha next Tuesday. Actually, I fly back Monday. So we're in the World Estate Rosenfelds this week, Bailey Island in Maine, uh at the Driftwood Inn. And it's been <laughs> a lovely stay. Uh and uh but I am looking forward to it's been it has been dreary and sort of drizzly here, uh, which is sort of what you'd think of Maine. Uh in my mind, like rain jackets, fishing boats. People on fishing boats wearing rain jackets. Uh, that's what I've seen out <laughs> there. And uh, But it's just enough we you can like, go for a jog and just get a little damp. It's not like it's a full-on rain, just a, like a little sprinkle for the last two days. But it's yeah. been beautiful, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll come back to Maine at some point.
1: It's, it's America's guest, Sage Rosenfeld. So, Sage, it begs the question, are you going to watch the Hawk game this week? Because all of our Hawk coverage on Iowa Everywhere brought to you this week by Prairie Meadows. It's your favorite place to play Great casino right there in Altuda, just down the road from me here in Bondurant. But Sage, Sadri- Cyhawk week clearly a big week. We're both Iowa State guys. We're gonna have a Hawkeye on to balance out the Rose and Bloom podcast. Your good buddy Chad Greenway, who played with you at the Minnesota Vikings, coming up. But are you gonna try and watch the game when you're in LA, or is this kind of oh. catch it on the DVR? Okay,
2: you know this. Uh- not all games uh, do I get to watch live. Iowa State games, but this the Sci Seahawks game is one that I really don't want to miss. There's nothing like capturing it live. Whether they win or lose, I, I, you can't watch it the next day because everyone's going to tell you what happened. You're going to see what happened uh, on my feeds. And so, yeah, this one yeah, I'm going to watch live. I was hoping to maybe try to catch that a USC game. They play State, but they play at Stanford on Saturday. So that really opens it up uh, for me to to watch this game. So I'm really excited to. Uh, to, to, to to see it, uh, it's been six in a row for the Hawkeyes. Is that, I think it's been six five. in a row. For the, five. What, sorry, we have a, a missed year.
1: No, it is uh, six. I, no, wait a second. It's, it's Matt Matt Campbell's 0-5, but yes. So yes, but six total. They've had six,
2: six total. And I was going back through all those scores this morning from the last you know 20 years, really since I played. And what really sticks out to me, of course, on the fact that I was one of the last six, but before that, very even over the course of, uh, of the last 25 years or so um, is Iowa's was defense there's a couple games uh, in the last 10 years where iowa state has scored you know 41 points lost in overtime yep but for the most part there's some games in there you're looking at the scores and you know it's it's 17 points it's it's 10 points uh i think even three points in the game um there's some low scoring Uh, Iowa State football uh, in those those Hawkeye matchups. Uh, Ferentz and and their coordinators over there over the years have always done a really, really good job of of just really good D-line play, uh, solid, uh, very fundamentally sound uh, linebacker and secondary play, and it's just really hard to get the home run ball and score a lot of points and move the ball consistently against them. You know, they have sort of a bend-don't-break mentality. It's just really hard to put the ball in the end zone and score points, and so... I imagine, uh, even though Hunter Deckers was was absolutely fantastic uh, in his week one win for for the Cyclones, I, I imagine it, it might be another low scoring game. It might be another you know twenty seventeen uh, type of football game. It just seems like uh, these Iowa Hawkeye, Iowa State games have been very close and, and generally low scoring. Of course, we all know Iowa State's defense has been really really good since Matt Campbell showed up. The
1: the, the Iowa fans listening to this said seventeen. Sign me up. Yeah, after, after the offensive performance for them. But so we'll get to that. So I would like, I want your read. I'm We're asked. We we, we
2: we will get to the, <laughs> yeah. the I, I watched, I didn't watch the Iowa game, but I watched the highlights this morning. So I see the score seven to three. I also, see, you know, Chris Hassel, who's on the Iowa network, yeah. uh, Iowa everywhere network, one of our guys, of course, probably, probably the biggest Hawkeye fan of anyone in the sports media. Would you say, I like, guess, as far as national sports, uh, that's a hundred percent ESPN, he's at he's at CBS. Uh, probably the number one, just unabashed Hawkeye fan out there. And, and, and so Saint, I, it's,
1: you don't know, see even more perfect for Chris is he went to St. Ambrose. So it's the typical Iowa fan anyway.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, but he is a big
1: <laughs> Iowa fan. Oh, we love Chris. Haskell.
2: Huge, huge, huge Iowa fan. And he's so passionate about it. I, I sincerely appreciate it. And I like getting him a little bit of a hard time occasionally on t- Twitter when I get the chance to, uh, but uh, you know, I see that score seven, three. I'm like, Oh man, they scored one t- touchdown. And, that was it for the day for the Hawks. And then I go watch the highlights this morning. It was a field goal and two safeties. It wasn't even a touchdown. I mean, the, the Iowa defense outscored uh, South Dakota State in that game four to three. I mean, really just an ugly. I was in the Red Sox game the other day, and I think they scored more points, more runs, I should say, than, uh, uh, than the Hawkeyes. And so, obviously, there's a, there's a lot of concern there. Uh, the quarterback really did not play well. Uh, Through one pick, but uh, his, you know, his percentage was bad. They obviously couldn't move the ball. I think Punter was probably, you know, that and the defensive uh, uh, whole squad was, were the MVPs in that football game. And uh, so, yeah, and then they're going to face, uh, you know, John Hancock and, and his defense, usually a top 20 defense uh, in college football. Uh, and they've always done an excellent job and, and usually done a pretty good job against the Hawkeyes. It's just really the offense that hasn't really sort of carried their weight uh, in, in this great matchup.
1: Good stuff, Sage. So, CyHawk Week and brought to you by Prairie Medals this week. Tell me about your CyHawk experience. I remember one play in particular in 2000. I think it was the first series, the, the reverse to J.J. Moses. One of my favorite plays of all time. But you played in more more games than just that one in 2000.
2: Yeah, not first series, first play of the game. First play. Uh, and what's interesting is I, I believe we were like picking on Aaron Campman who had was originally a linebacker in Iowa they moved him to defensive ends. we gained a whole bunch of weight we thought he was a little slow it's, you know when you, when you gain 30 40 pounds in like a year and a half, you're just not going to have that fast twitch anymore like it's just going to take you a second for your body to sort of figure out how to how to move all that girth and so we run reverse on him and they uh, uh Ryan Hansen was a save he took a bad angle and uh ends up going to the house. that was the very first play of that football game fake 18. Z reverse left to JJ Moses for the, for the touchdown, but I
1: remember it still, still remember it. my,
2: my, uh, Steve, one who was our OC, Hey, wh- what do you think we should go with the reverse? I was like, yeah, let's go with the reverse, you know, get the ball in JJ's hands. Uh, he was so electric and, and he was electric on that play. So my five years, um, at, at Iowa state first year, freshman year at Iowa, uh, we get beat pretty good. I'm going to say it was like 38, seven, you know, McCartney was really just restarting this program from, from scratch. Second year in Ames, I'm a I'm a um I'm a redshirt freshman. And I think that game was worse. That might have been fifty-six to seven or sixty-three to seven. I think it was
1: 63-21 or something like
2: something. that. I mean it, Tim it was, Dwight had like eight thousand yards. Yeah, Tavian Banks, Tavion one, Banks. Of, one of the first plays of the game went about seventy-five to the house, and and Matt Sherman had a, had a big day. And and uh, so you know, the, 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 at, the, at that time, the programs were very far apart. Very different. I mean, it, yes. it was the end of the uh, the Hayden Fry area era. So you still sort of had all that magic just from Hayden still hovering over the program, but it was starting to uh, there was starting to be some cracks in that armor in the following years. In '98, we go into Iowa City, Todd Vandiver's the quarterback, and we get a win, and it was just th- that was really an incredible experience because nobody after the previous year. We had won, uh, I think, one game the year before. Yes. We were a pretty bad team. And, and uh, we would go in there into Iowa City and, and get a win. What a day! What a day that was. Uh, and that really led to the firing of, of Hayden Fry at the end of that season. The next year, uh, the Hawkeyes uh, uh, come to Ames. Uh, we get a, a win. It, it was, I think it was 20 to 9, I'm going to say. Uh, basically, it was me handing the ball off to Darren Davis. I, I I think I was okay in the day. Matt uh, Matt Bowen, who was a safety for the Hawkeyes, longtime uh, NFL matchup guy for ESPN, and he was right. in Chicago, coaches uh, some high school football in Chicago. He hit me so hard in that game. That was probably one of the hardest hits I ever took in college. He was one of those. I mean, if you're if you're a safety that shaves his head, I just feel like it's coming. It's coming. You hit people harder. You know, (laughs) aerodynamic. It's something. Something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, He's got nothing to lose, literally. You know. (laughs) Um, uh, And then my senior year, we go into into Iowa City, and and that was really special for me because that was a start. And I grew up in Eastern Iowa, of course, over in the My first ever college football game. Seventh or eighth grade high school friend brought me to. I sat in that northeast end zone. Uh, uh For that football game, right where uh, the Iowa you know, came out of their of their tunnel, and so from going to watch a couple games there, sort of middle school, high school, to then at the end of that game scoring sort of the game, yeah, season, you iced it. touchdown. Yeah. I yeah, we're up three. They had all the momentum. We were backed up on about the 15 yard line, and I hit a, a third and eight pass that they had the perfect coverage for the play called, and receiver uh, Craig Campbell and I just sort of made a play and uh, threw it low and he caught like a second base catch. And, and we sort of, after that, we just moved the ball methodically down the field. And about seven plays later, I, I, I ran in and dove into that that same Northeast end zone uh, for that game securing touchdown. So that was a really special moment for me. And I, what I've always said to people is there was more relief there almost mm-hmm. than like excitement. Yes, I was throwing B1, but you put so much of your heart and soul into playing football, you know, that whole off season. It's not like, you know, Major League Baseball, you have 162 games. Every one of those games is really, really important when you play uh, college football and, and when you play your rival team and play the rival team that you grew up an hour and a half from, those have extra mean to, to, to you and you know you're going to have that for the rest of your life. And so that was uh, uh, w- w- one of the best or one of my favorite wins probably of my entire life was, was that 2000 season. And that sort of helped build uh part of our nine win season and uh and definitely one of the big early season wins of that year
1: well it's it's Sighthawk week we got a couple iowa state staters on the podcast sage and i so we thought we'd balance the scales <laughs> believe it or not we actually do get along with iowa Hold on. folks immediately oh look start over <laughs> no no keep it rolling oh wait, I well, love- oh, yeah. <laughs> wait a second there oh there you get There's- it's chad greenway in his iowa was hawkeye helmet
0: the, the blank out was perfectly timed how about this?
1: <laughs> <laughs> chad how are you my man
0: i'm doing really good yes yeah, thanks for having me on guys i appreciate it um and i, I uh lots to talk about after that last week in iowa city um it, it, maybe it, maybe a lot to not talk about and move on but yeah it was uh Either way, thanks for having me. It'll be fun to talk through this uh, Cyhawk series.
1: So the first Wait, question we ask all of our guests is: is how do you know Sage Rosenfels? I think this one's pretty easy, but how do you know Sage Rosenfels?
0: Yeah, I was fortunate enough to be a teammate with Sage uh, up here in Minnesota. So um, had some what? How many years together, Sage? I never remember this stuff. was
2: Yeah, I well, see you were there for like fifteen years, and you know nobody in the NFL plays in one team unless you play in one team <laughs> and you got cut in year two. To be good but, enough, Sage. <laughs> yeah. So Chad played. One team I played for five uh, and you can really say I played for seven because I played for two teams twice. Right. So uh, <laughs> seven, seven turns, but uh, was it 11 years uh, with the Minnesota yeah. Vikings for you? But for, for me, I got traded there in 2009. I was, you know, Tavars was the only one there. Uh, yeah. I was hoping to start. Uh, I come in and we are in the middle of training camp and I'm actually at lunch uh, and, and, and Childress was not a practice or not the walkthrough that morning. And I'm at lunch. It's uh, like uh, Jared Allen, Ben Lieber, uh Greenway. We're sitting there, and the TV's on, and uh, and there's there's Childress driving far uh, from the St. Paul Airport. Oh no, uh, wherever where they landed, and they're they're coming up in the Escalade here. And I think I looked at Chad, and Chad looks at me and goes, "Well, this is awkward," you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it was a moment so
0: much- in time, a moment that you never forget. Like like Childress was just was out there and um, made some interesting decisions, but this one was the most dramatic entrance and uh, most dramatic decision, and uh, obviously waves when you're sitting by the guy that unfortunately is going to be replaced, um, it's not the best scenario. And uh, and to, to Sage's credit, handled it like an absolute pro, um, but the the, um, the hard part of Sage, I think, was you were really in a position to lead a really good football team and had the first really chance to go to to start and be the starter of, a, of a, an excellent team that would have done, made some waves with or without Brett. So um, credit to Sage for, for handling how we did though.
1: So, so let's let, I want to ask about this because I was, I was looking that up last night with the, like the OJ style chase behind Favre with the <laughs> helicopter on ESPN. Sage, did you know right away were you like, or did you think, Hey, I can still compete for this job?
2: Oh no, I that that was the end of it. Okay, it is. I, I had, I had a, even though I thought I had sort of beaten out Tavares. Uh by the way, who he and I got along great. Uh I think there was something about we both had to probably deal with childress and so we both would, you know, look at each other like we we were on the we're on the same page but maybe we're both not on the same page and so as the head coach always. Uh but I sort of thought I had sort of beaten him out that training camp and but when when Favre showed up, not only did I which I knew I wouldn't be, of course, competing with Brett. Brett was he came back to be the man and, 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 and he came there for the same reason I came there. I left Houston. I forced the trade to get out of Houston. They didn't, they didn't want to trade me. Um, but I really wanted that opportunity to start. It was like my, my one chance to, I've always been a backup and it's like a, here's a chance, or at least compete for the starting job before I was a three compete, you know, competing for the two or just happy to be the three for a couple of years, you know, and just be in the NFL. And this was like, I had worked my way up uh, eight years or whatever had been. And I was really hoping to, to have a chance to start. But when Brett showed up, not only know I wasn't going to be starting that year, but I was fairly sure because Childress had drafted Tavares that I wouldn't be the number two guy either. So I was the third quarterback, which I hadn't been for about four or five years. I had been the number two guy for like the previous four. So I really like went up there, made the most money in one year that I ever made my career, but yet was the third string quarterback uh for, for that great season which was great because it was like the most stress-free season that I'd ever gone through I mean Brett never gets hurt and if he did get hurt Tavares was going in and and the team was so good uh the offense had superstars everywhere I mean you know it's Hutchinson's in the Hall of Fame Adrian will be in the Hall of Fame uh Percy Harvin was a rookie and he was just like look at this cute he was like a running back and a receiver's body and and he was fast and strong and uh sydney rice was a young promising tall wide receiver but defense was just loaded uh again that's one of the reasons i went up there uh you know guys like chad greenway and and kevin williams and jared allen uh ej henderson middle linebacker uh you know ben lieber the third linebacker was a really good player as well i mean it was um number one in defense as far as stopping the run every year and so teams just had to throw on third and long all the time and jared would just go back there and sat the quarterback (laughs) about 15 times. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. That, that of all the teams I was on, you know, I grew up watching like the 85 bears and it was like a circus. That was like the most sort of circusy, like we're, we're going on the road in the circus, right? We know we're going to be covered because Brett's there. You never know what Brett's going to do. You never know what type of play he's going to pull out of his rear at some point in the game. You know what I mean? You just, it was just an adventure more than anything right I mean you just didn't know it any any game or what weird thing might happen on the sidelines with the head coach or this or that (laughs) the players got along great the players I thought were were very very close both offensively and defensively and uh my time with the Minnesota Vikings I was there for three training camps and I was really there for about a season and a half total uh but uh I I really did love my time as uh, being a Minnesota Viking and and being a teammate of Chad uh over there and and he stayed there I mean Chad Greenway, I'd tell you what, for a guy who played in the NFL for a long time from South Dakota, yeah, South Dakota, but South yep. Dakota to Iowa to Minnesota, and that's it. You just don't see that. Like, you just don't see guys go to the University of Miami, stay in the state of Florida. Right. And really cool. Whole, like, yeah. never leave the state of Florida, basically. So, he never left the upper Midwest uh, for the most part, which has probably been pretty nice because you are a, a small town. Let's talk about that. You are a small town guy, you know, right. Eight, eight or nine man football. Um, and I know yes. you weren't 18 yeah. at Iowa be- because, because you just adored me at Iowa state wearing my 18 and that's what you wanted to be.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, just to speak on the Vikings years, those years were incredible. The, the, the 9 c was, was circus. We were, a, we were a everywhere we went and it was, it was fun to be a part of those personalities and kind of see, but to your point, Sage, like our locker room was tight. Our locker room was cohesive. Uh, we had a lot of fun in the locker room. We had a lot of fun on trips. I mean, it was, it was a blast. Uh, the, the only thing that could have topped it was that team should have won the Super Bowl champion that year. I mean, just always no way to screw that up. Because that's the type of team I think you look back on. I was never part of a Super Bowl champion team, but that's how they look and act and feel, I feel like. And it's just, we just couldn't get it done. But yeah, so I can put us out of four people hometown. I graduated 26 kids in my class, played nine-man football. I mean, I get, didn't get recruited by anybody. Um, I got one offer from Iowa. Otherwise, I was going to go play D2 ball at SDSU, uh, which is now, you know, I mean, look at the game I at mean, the academy. They're legit, double You can play against anybody. But back then, it was, it was a big jump to go from a D2 NCC team to, uh, to, to Iowa. And even at that point, Iowa was not very strong. Um, but I, a kid backed out of a scholarship offer and went somewhere else. And um, John Lefler, who's a player, John LaFleur, who's actually actual farmer in South Dakota, raises his out there, saw me play in my state championship game my junior year and kind of put me on Iowa or put Iowa on me rather. And then they followed up and he kept pressing them. And I played a ridiculous senior uh, champion again. And that's when they got really heavy. And they didn't offer me till November of my senior year. Um, And then that was the one chance I got. So what do you say? I mean, I was, even then I was scared. I was just fearful of being, I was the only division one recruit out of South Dakota that year. Um, I was just full of failing and going and falling on my face and didn't really know what to expect. And, um, had a massive chip on my shoulder and went to college and just, uh, you know, went there every day and just got better and stronger. And genetically, I had the body that got faster as I got bigger, which is a little unique and weird. Um, but I, it was just perfect, the you know, perfect, perfect program for me, perfect head coach, perfect strength coach, honestly, and Chris Doyle. I mean, a lot of great, great people in my life and a lot of luck involved. But uh, it was almost lucky that I went to a nowhere school and got recruited once because I went one came in on me.
1: What a, I mean, it's a crazy story that you I mean, just think about an 11 year NFL pro with one offer from Iowa and, and, and here, and here you made it. So let, let's, before we get into your story, can I, I want to can, can
2: I say something real yes. quick? Yes. You've got two 11 year pros. Cause I had one offer too. Iowa State. Yeah. And my offer was on like December uh, 21st or something. We had like a winter basketball tournament in Dubuque, Iowa. And Josh Rank, who was a teammate, he was playing for Cedar Rapids private school. <clears throat> and he and I, our parents, we followed each other in minivans out to Ames for a recruiting <laughs> trip. And we both got our offer. And, uh, you know, I think That's Chad and awesome. I both made the, both, both made the best. it. Chad, what were your heights and weights uh, when you graduated high school?
0: I was just under three, uh, So I call myself 63, and I was probably 195, I would say, 200. Would probably be, and I was a quarterback. I was a quarterback and a free safety. Um, so Nebraska asked me to walk on as an option quarterback. That's what I did in school. And um and I, you know, when I get an offer to, oh, oh come on, internet. And When I get an offer to a full ride offer, I mean, obviously I couldn't afford to to pay for school. Uh, we had no money. My parents are you know farms, and and we um, you know, able to afford to go and and pay the the walk tuition I was like well i'm gonna go to iowa that's obvious frank so what's is southern draws like son we'll offer you a chance to walk on the university of nebraska and i'm like but there's all money right there i wouldn't will just get a scholarship so it worked out for me because i i wouldn't have been a very good option quarterback i don't think
1: <laughs> well i saw your stats in high school you ran for like four thousand yards so i don't <laughs> sell yourself too short so speaking of quarterbacks before we get into the rest of your story you were in Iowa City on Saturday. Your impressions of the game against South Dakota State, kind of the story for Iowa the last couple of years, defense, elite, offense, struggled. How would you categorize what happened on Saturday?
0: Well, let's start here. Who, who in the mind my schedules South Dakota State? Who in the mind my mind schedules North Dakota State? Like, show me the win there. I, I don't see a win. Uh, you know, to me, if I'm, if I'm, and again, love Gary Barta and everything about Iowa, but I'm a homer through and through. Uh, but to like I go play Alabama, I didn't know that's a, I know that's a I go play there. You know, an SEC team or an ACC team or a Pac-12 team, and get a home and home with them. It just seems like it's a bigger win or or a loss. That's like, hey, you learn something from it. Um, that's just use a program that if you beat up 30. They expect you to do it, and if you by you know by, by four, everybody's like, what is wrong with you? And if you lose to them, which is a possibility. Um, you know, you look you look like an idiot. So I mean, it's just it's just a tough scheduling situation, especially with as good as their progress. Um, a lot of coach Stiglmeier he recruited me to SDSU. He's an unbelievable football coach, and they're recruiting in a lot of ways the same kids that are that Iowa State and Iowa are recruiting. I mean, and Northern Iowa recruiting. These are all the kind of the same kids. It's just you know Iowa State getting that next level or that perceived next level kid. Uh, so it's just a tough matchup, first of all, and that's not an excuse. That's a legit football team. Uh, but as far as Iowa goes, I mean, offensively, there's not much to say, say, I mean, I hate to be critical of a college kid and, I, and I'm not that guy to say, do it or do it that way. I think it's a two part issue. I think the the quarterback did, wasn't making the throws that he was scheduled to make. And I think offensively, um, you got to put him in good positions to make the plays that he can make, you know? And I think that was just a, it's a tough situation. Um, it, the hard part, um, me is being critical of college kids. It just I have a, I have an issue with it, but I know it's part of the deal. Um, the reality is, you're a quarterback at Iowa um, with a pretty good football team. You got there's a certain minimum you have to hit these these third down forward to overthrow a guy by a couple of yards. Those are the balls you just have to throw and you have to make um, to be certifiably a Division one you know quarterback, especially at Iowa when you're going to throw the ball. 15 to 20 times to be with it um and then i think you want to say is we couldn't run football either so the other issue is is we weren't really um we couldn't just roll up the offensive line and say okay throwing games out there we're just gonna smack you in the mouth for for four quarters and run 200 yards and make it happen it happen either so um i guess we'll talk about the positives the punting game is absolutely elite um, which, you know, people, and, and we, we laugh about it. I was laughing about the stadium, but the I've seen a lot of really great punters in my day, the, the different kicks he was making like different spins, trajectory, high trajectory, the spin. I mean, he has them all. I mean, it really is impressive as much as people laugh about Iowa and special teams. Like I know Iowa state, same thing. Like you focus on special teams and like it's focus of these good teams. Like he's elite, which is crazy to say. And then defensively, we do what we do. I mean, we 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 able to stop the run, slow them down. Um, we created some havoc. We rushed the quarterback. I mean, covered well. Um, offensively, South Dakota was really had really nothing going on there. So um, we won how we're supposed to win or how we've been winning. Um, I just think back to my years when I was in Iowa City, and we had really good defenses, and and we'd score forty-five points. We'd put points that were. Worth bang and drew Eaton, Nathan Chandler and we we had good talent um was the talent so much better back then I, I don't know um I I guess it's hard it's hard for me to say but we we found ways to score points and I, I guess that's uh I guess the biggest take from the we're Not we can't score
2: it, it is interesting that like uh as the as the casual fan right uh for me like I'm a casual Iowa watcher watch them here and there you know and what hits my mind when I think of Hawkeye football for me, right off the bat, O linemen and tight ends. Yeah. You guys put out O linemen and tight ends in the NFL. I mean, if you guys have a seventh guy go seventh round as a, as a right guard, a little under talented, doesn't have all the size, he'll, he plays in the NFL for like seven years. Uh, you right. guys find ways to put O linemen and tight ends in the NFL. D linemen as well, and and I so I I think O linemen, tight ends, and really good defense all around. Uh, Good talent, but just so fundamentally sound. Uh, Yeah, I went to the Iowa State game a couple Iowa -Iowa State game a couple years ago, and it seemed like Iowa pretty much played cover four, cover two, occasionally (laughs) drop the safety down, and that was it. And we're shifting, we're moving, we're motioning, and Iowa guys are just standing there. They're just yep. standing there, and, and they just I think they just know the ins and outs of what they're being taught so well, so they can then then they play fast. But they I think they yep. feel like they keep it pretty simple over there. They're not trying to yep. reinvent the wheel. Meanwhile, Iowa State on the other end also a very good defense, and we have a defense that like very few people play, but everyone's trying to copy because it's this three down front, eight in the back end. Everyone's hustling to the ball, but very much also a bend don't break you know, style of defense, but a lot of more variables uh, when you do that, when you only rush three, you can occasionally rush a fourth and which, who's going to be that fourth. You can rush two. Who are going to be those two more and they're just like more variables in the back end. So it's a little more based off of confusion and Iowa, they're not trying to confuse you. They're like, this is what we're playing. Try, you know, try to move the ball on us and try to move the balls consistently for 10 to 15 plays. And, and, you know, they've just done a great job over there in Iowa city which just sound, sound, sound sound football. And you get those types of guys. I think Kirk Ferentz recruits and the way he coaches is like sound style football. Do your job. This is your gap. Do it to the best of your ability. You don't have to be the most talented player because you're going to have about four guys on defense and offense that are NFL style talent. And then the other seven are just blue collar. Do your dang job fit into your yep. gap and, 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 and do it well. And you're there for three, four years, you develop, and you end up being very, very sound. I said, O line play, which was, what that was unusual. They really struggled in the first game, as yep. you said, both running the football and protecting their quarterback. Uh But the defense uh, was, was, was very good as, as it's been for the most part really for about the last uh, 18 years.
0: I think I like three numbers to Iowa, like in four years, I think that's like literally like we didn't mix coverage. Like we, and I and we we didn't go we didn't play nickel and that was one of the reasons why I was such a draftable player is because we never brought in an extra DB like let like was make end of game situation or something some um, keep coverage just to protect. But I would walk out on the slot receiver every time, and I would just handle, get my hands on them, widen the route, push them to a corner, find my spot in coverage. And we and to your point, like we just fast and simple, We knew every combination was going to come at us. And we knew how to play every one of them. Now, of course, you make mistakes and guys make plays, but it allowed you to play fast and it allowed you to play simple. And a lot of times, the simpler you are, the less mistakes you make, right? That's the biggest thing is the more the more things you do, the more things for a guy to have a mental, the more things for a guy to, to slip or come off the edge and can't get home or work. When you just play simple and do what you do, like it, it's a good brand of football if you have the players that can play that style and not go take that risk or not go take that chance. Stay in your gap, make the plays that come to you and trust the other ten. Uh, but you know, I've also played, and I, then I get drafted in the Tampa too, which was that system essentially. And then um, Mike Zimmer comes in in my in my ninth year, which is a little bit more like you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna mess with you, we're gonna have fun, and we're gonna blitz from different angles and send different guys and drop linebacker, drop diamond, and we're gonna we're gonna rush a, a linebacker off of your protection call, like it's just next level thinking. As a player, that's more fun because you get to do a lot more fun things. But as a player, there's also a lot more responsibility to get tight. So it is kind of the yank to the different defenses. But there's some great defensive football play this weekend.
1: So Chad uh, CyHawk week. Tell me your memories of the Iowa Iowa State game. You, I think you played in three. You were hurt your freshman year, from what I could yep. see. The, that was the Seneca Wallace 2002 game in Kinnick. But you went two and one. Uh, won the first two and then lost in, in Ames. Your I think it was your junior or senior year 23 to 3 but what do you remember about that game and what it meant as a Hawkeye because you were part of that team that ended that five game Iowa State winning streak
0: yeah, so um, I always remember the state the rivalry a, a very true like college rivalry like I didn't get a lot there's I didn't get a lot of hate I didn't get a lot of anything other than a lot of mutual respect um, I thought and I thought that came from from uh, the coaching staff of Iowa State and how they respond to players. And you could, when you're reading news articles and you're reading interviews, like I always got a lot of like res- respectful kind of thoughts. And I never had like, you know, when you're walking into, in, uh, in Iowa City and you're still walking in, and, and hey, state state? I don't know anything about Iowa State, I'm from South Dakota. Like, you know, you sort of learn this as you become an Iowan, right? And become a, a Hawkeye. Um, but it was, you know, I mean, going into uh, Jack Trice, winning my sophomore year was an unbelievable feeling because the crowd is overwhelming. I mean, you know, there's no doubt about it that when you walk in there on Cyhawk week, it is an absolute problem uh, to go in there, especially when things aren't going your way and there's some turnovers and what you found out our senior year, it's just like, it's like a flood. Right? Once one bad thing happens and all of a sudden there's three bad things that happen. Uh, we're able to curb that my sophomore year because of punt blocks. We got, I think two, we blocked two punts that year. Um, Sean Constantine, I think, might have got both. Sh- shocking. um I think he did. But yep. it, it made, made enough play early on to kind of curb that momentum and then just made enough plays down the stretch. And, and uh, I can remember that being like a. That was my first year starting. I had a couple good games before that, but that was really my game where I had kind of stepped out and was like, this was who I'm going to be. And I had a bunch of tackles, a bunch of plays. And Abdul did as well My roommate there at the middle the linebacker, Abdul Hodge. And, sort of felt like that was uh, my first real legit game. And, uh, and then my junior year, they, uh, you guys came to my place and it was like, or, or to Iowa City, it was like 17 to 10 or 17 to 15. I came not score. Yep. It was a really yep. real cool and a really defensive battle, which I can picture this weekend uh, being is more of that style. But then as soon as we say that, it'll be 45, 42 or something crazy. Who knows? But uh, that's how rivalries work. But then my senior year, remember being overwhelmed. Uh, she... We had a really young defensive front. We graduated um, Matt Roth, Jonathan Babineau, Tyler Lubke, a lot of really elite players. And we had a young defensive line and we couldn't handle the front and we got beat. Um, and we were able to rebound pretty solid that year. We weren't a team that were the bike year for sure.
2: We had on uh, Kenny Main last week on the podcast and we played a video uh, that he did okay. for his old, his old Main Street. We had you on there, it was you, it was yeah. Matt Roth, it was Constantine. all these names. That we're saying, um, I, I what was the it was that you guys had beat Ben Roethlisberger at Miami of Ohio, yep. he had come to Iowa, State yep. and you guys beat him, he threw four picks, and yet he hadn't yep. lost yet in the NFL. He had, he had gone the whole regular yeah. season yeah. and the playoffs, That's, and and, and you guys, you guys were uh, like basically you guys are better than the Patriots and Belichick. That was sort of the, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the yeah. I mean, his, his takes were so good. I mean, he's so funny. I can remember shooting that. Uh, the production on that, it was just, it was hilarious and fun and just like, and then how we did like, of course, get Matt Roth involved and for any Hawkeye fans or fans that know about Matt Roth and his personality. I mean, it was just like, like Kenny nailed it. Like every piece of it was just great.
2: My, uh, my Matt Roth, I got Matt Roth story for you. 2005, I'm with the Dolphins, Nick Saban, oh, yeah. Nick Saban's our head coach. And that was the year we, they, we drafted him. Uh, and Channing Crowder, who is a linebacker from University of Florida, who now does some stuff, looks like with ESPN stuff. And Channing was is a he is a wild card, and he was really a wild card uh, <laughs> uh, back in the day. And the uh, the you know we, we always have these these talent shows, right? You see these videos of these guys singing, oh, yeah. or it might be their fight song, or whatever it might be. Well, their talent was they brought in a stripper and they had <laughs> they yeah. had her strip in front of nick saban that was the matt roth channing crowder talent show what? Uh, wearing <laughs> that was that that was the talent show i think matt was yeah. sort of like i have to do this because channing wants to and they were sort of put together or something it was like defensive yeah. players drafted high uh, uh but that but, was the the matt uh, roth matt. talent <laughs>
0: he was if, if him and Channing I don't know Channing Crowder but I know enough about him to know that's a bad combination
2: yeah yeah do not put those people in the same area like after they leave the facility that that would be that would be bad but I saw him I saw him year, about 10 years ago uh at, at like an Iowa game Matt Roth I tell you good player though that totally an Iowa type of player right yep. sort of like not uh it wasn't six foot six and you know, uh, wasn't a, a combine freak, but uh, hard nosed player, yep. blue collar, but did have talent and and had all those things uh, you're looking for. And I I think was a second rounder. Uh, yeah, he, for us,
0: he came as like a, a really recruit middle linebacker, and then just kind of grew out of that. He just became kind of too big and. He was really more. He was more of a more of a stiffer build and not as flexible to get back into coverage. So he kind of put his feet in the ground, and then he gained weight to kind of move inside and be like a three tech. Which I think is probably what he ended up being. He ended up being like a kind of like a defensive end and a three four was kind of his was, you And know, he could rush the pass for a little bit. He did in college certainly, but in the NFL he's more of a more of a take on the block and, and play more of a over tech knee tech player.
2: Yeah, and, and save saving at that time was a little more of a three four style guy yeah. so we had him as more of an outside linebacker um, okay yeah. he, he definitely wasn't a drop into coverage uh can't make but, him think
0: much. yeah make him say
2: he's one of those guys you say wherever the ball is go get it yeah uh, he's exactly he's that type, he's that type yes. of player
1: chad want to ask you you know you've been on elite defensive teams This iowa defense is elite for sure but when you have an offense that has sputtered and really what seven games in a row dating back to last year does that put extra emphasis as a defensive player where you're like, okay, we got to keep them below 14 or below 17 or whatever it is. And, you know, how would you, how would you think that the, the locker room is in Iowa city right now?
0: Yeah, I think the, you know, Phil Park being the lead that crew, I mean, he's been, he's been an absolutely unrated coach for, I mean, he gets a lot of accolades, but this guy has been so good for so long. He produces NFL talent. He, he produces great defenses almost every year. Um, think about it. They are very, it's very important for them to say, focus on what they do and not start looking across the aisle at what the other, what the offense is doing, what the special teams are doing. And I've met, I met a lot of these kids again this summer. Um, I mean, they have the, these the Campbell in mean, Jacobs, which it looks like he may be injured. Um, I mean, these kids are legit. I mean, they are big, they are physical, they are athletic. I mean, they are look, they look the type they're NFL players. Um, what I love about it is their they their real, they're real focus on, on what they do. And I think it's, a, you know, you talk, you ask the locker room, it's really easy to start pointing fingers. And you see this a lot more in like an NFL circle in college, they do a lot better job, especially at really strong programs with strong leaders. Like I'd say, both of our programs are, Is you're going to have this, it. like you on what you do, they're going to take care of their stuff. And we, if, if that's what's going on, then you know what the next game, they're going to have our back and that's just how it works. And I think that's what comes with great leadership. Uh, and that's whether that's Phil Parker or Kirk Ferentz. Um, you, you just see that with teams that are well-coached. That, that's what we're focused on. We have enough things to worry about this weekend um, with Iowa State's offense um, to stay focused on what they have to do. And you know what? If they play well. You know, I think you can always overcome a bad offense, but it's really hard to overcome a bad defense. And that's we have kind of had these last, you know, this last certain eight, nine games, but also just, you know, kind of, kind of the last, you know, 10 years.
2: When you're talking about, you know, Kirk Ferentz and and you know the uh, the Parkers, the really the Parker family, uh, they've been yep. there for such a long time. But yep. all good things come to an end. At some point in time, Kirk Ferentz is not going to be the head coach at the University of Iowa. It could be 15 yep. years from now. Who knows? Um, what do you, would you, as a as a former uh, Hawkeye, Would you want a, a coach that's on the staff to be the next head coach, you think, or someone coming from outside who's been successful at the smaller school? You know, I've known LeVar Woods since I was in high school. LeVar Woods and I yep. played. He, he, LeVar Woods was my Shrine Bowl tailback uh, in the Iowa High School Shrine Bowl. Uh, his, oh, fullback, his fullback at West Line in Northwest Iowa was Kyle Vandenbosch, who was an unbelievable defensive end for the Huskers and then played in the NFL for no 12 way. years himself i mean true true psychopath true psychopath kyle Bosch for sure wore like the nike red uh eyes uh he had like the the red contact so you look over and he just freaks you out um type type of deal i mean the definition of high motor uh i you know literally literally, the motor is about to explode at all times with sort of the kyle Bosch style of football but Lavar Woods was a guy that, you know, I, I don't know. He's been the tight ends coach sometimes. When he comes to Omaha, sometimes he and I go out for a drink. He's he, he's really yeah. in charge of recruiting in the Omaha area. And I do see him as a guy. I think he's special teams now. But I do see him as a guy that could be the next head coach uh, at the University of Iowa. He's still fairly young. He's my age, 44. Uh, he's been with that program forever. Uh, well, one, who do you see as a guy that could be uh, the, the next head coach? And, and do you think Lavar Woods could be, could be that guy?
0: saw I saw you tweet about this these questions are coming I'm like oh boy that's this this might I don't want this to go uh just go tubular right you just go all over the internet so um I gotta play it safe but no I here's here's thoughts. I think what Kirk has done has been incredible um over this run but like you said all thing and at some point somebody else will be coaching this football team um you know and Phil Parker has has earned that right um to be in that conversation and I think Whether he wants to, I don't know. know, Phil's not that guy, Um, but then again, maybe that's what he's always wanted. I don't know, I've never had that conversation with Phil, but to not have him in this conversation would be an absolute travesty for what he's been able to accomplish there and his leadership. Um, His press conferences would be delightful about him. I would love to to ask him some questions to get him fired up. He uses some really colorful language, which I think we'd all have fun with. I think LeVar Woods is maybe the most obvious choice um, as far as if you're around that staff and around the personality of the staff. I think he has the most, um, the most likable personality to be a leader of a, of a program like Iowa. Um, he's also a very good football coach. He's a very good motivator. He's been there and done that. Um, he's coached a lot of different angles, um, you know, from a special team tight end kind of like playing defense. And so to pass on LeVar Woods would be nearly impossible. Um, you spend five minutes with Lavar, and you're like, well, "I'll hire him to do anything." I don't know what it is, but I'll, I'll hire him. So I think he, you know, he has to be in that conversation. You can't just conversation up uh, bringing up Brian, right? I mean, Brian, you know, obviously the OC, the coach's son, was my teammate for four years, has been coaching the NFL, has come back and and been a leader of that group. So um, you have to kind of over you see the through right now and say, "Hey, maybe." How did he bring us out of this? And maybe that's kind of his badge there too. So, um, I, you know, I think those would be the most obvious picks for the next. You know, and to your to your first question in there is, I would like it to see stability continue. I'd like to get enough staff, uh, maybe a brand of that country to take it on because that style and the leadership style has worked, and it's worked for Iowa football. And, you know, people always get on me if we're having a conversation with buddies, like, yeah, but you win eight or nine games. So are you going to win this or that? Like, you know what? But we have an elite program that does a great job every year. We know what we're going to get. We have a great leader at the helm that we're proud of. Like, that's that, to me, says a lot about your program. And we're not going to recruit against Alabama. We're not recruiting against these uh, clubs. We're not recruiting against It's just possible. Uh, you might have a one-off year. That you can go take a shot, you know, every once in a while. but. Um, I mean, listen. The folks and names you guys know just as well as we do. It's it's not easy to recruit to Iowa. So to go get body and go Iowa, Ohio consistently to beat Oklahoma consistently. I mean, it's just not. It's just not as easy as people make it sound. <laughs>
1: Okay, Chad, your thoughts on the game Saturday. You don't have to give us a prediction. I think we know who you'd probably pick if, if you had to. But what, what do you think are the keys? Uh, obviously, probably a low scoring. This may be like the game in uh, in 2004 or 2005 when it's 17-10, 17-14.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd i like to see a score a touchdown. Um, So I <laughs> hope 7. We should overrun safeties, like- maybe that we should make is that maybe like three is like maybe too low i don't know Um, yeah i I think it's going to be i i I really hope it's going to be a very competitive game um i think that at home really helps this year because of the struggle on offense a little bit i think our home crowd behind our defense is going to be needed um if we can rattle that offense at all at iowa state um is going to be helpful and also it's it's if you can make up your own game. Um, with peaches, if you can make a play and get that crowd to flip from what the what he was getting last weekend, could maybe trigger something, right? I, I, and you know, quarterback play better than anybody. Sage, I mean, the guy has an absolute end. It's almost he has to learn how to be able to control that. And a lot of guys have an issue with how do I check that down? How do I take something off of it? How do I find that touch? And that's what he seems like he's really struggling with. A lot of overthrows. Um, so. Um, at, may, at home, can he find that groove and make a play to get to come behind? And maybe build momentum off of that. I, I think this is a, I think this is a, you know, twenty to seventeen type of win for the Hawkeyes.
1: Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> go the other
2: way. Sage and I will go the other well, way. I, I tell you what, you know, it's interesting. We, I, we just talked about head coaches, right? Head coach possibilities, where it's you know, LeVar Woods or Brian Ferentz or or Park. Or, or Parker. Uh, you know, what's interesting is. You know, as we said, their their defense, you know, if it ends up being a 7-3 win by the Hawkeyes, you got to think the defensive side of the ball uh, seems to be more head coach worthy than the offense, the way it's been, you know, been looking a little bit, uh, you know, so far the last few years. So it should be a great game. I mean, every year it just seems like uh, it's a great game. And it's amazing that you go back and you look at the the history of this whole thing, where they, they didn't play for 43 years. Um, you know, by the way, the, I think it was the Iowa AD refused to re, to return the phone calls of the Iowa state AD because he, he didn't want to play him anymore or whatever the deal was back they Maybe the phones didn't work. It was like 1936 or something. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, uh it, it's been, so, and the fact that, you know, I was at 2019 and, and 2021 college game day, uh, you know, did this game. I mean, that's pretty incredible for a state of 3 yeah. million people to have college yep. game day, a, a national spotlight come in. Um, it really is a, it's a, it's a tribute to both programs. And, you know, the state of Iowa is interesting. It's 3 million people, but well, we've got three legitimate programs. I mean, Northern Iowa is, is a legitimate program at, at, at their level. Uh, you know, yep. Wisconsin, they've got one program really, right? Minnesota, Minnesota. really one program. Nebraska yes, really one program. And the state of Iowa has three and they're very competitive to good to top 25 to, you know, at FCS. I mean, Trevor Penning, there looks like might be the best O lineman of this draft so far coming out of Northern Iowa. So it is amazing. I I actually asked asked the Iowa State recruiting uh, coordinator, uh, I think it was earlier this summer or the spring, you know, how many division one guys come out of the state of Iowa every year? And he goes, well, when you played, it was about five or six. But now it's about 15 to even 20 when you start talking about these guys that are going to maybe a, a smaller school, Division One. There there, are a lot more athletes in this state. And Well, I, you look
0: you at know, the matchup that Iowa had this weekend against SDSU. I think there was two kids from Solon alone that started for for SDSU. And like, I did even look at the rest of the roster, but you have to assume there's a lot more islands on there. They're to SDSU, they're going to NDSU, they're going to UND, they're going to USD, and they're jumping across – you know, they don't fit maybe that mold of, of being a cyclone or a Hawkeye and having a lot of success. So I, I, I think when you lay it out that way, because I didn't even really think about that way. You know, we have St. Thomas now here in Minnesota, which just start um, to be a, a, a Division One program. But, I mean, to have, you know, have a Big 12 and a Big 10 team, plus Northern Iowa in, you know, in, in Iowa with only 3 million people is ridiculous. Because Minnesota's got, what, almost double that for population and really in one program. Um, and I want to say this before we were done, I had a chance to meet Matt Campbell this, this off season or this summer uh, at the Iowa football coaches association meetings. And just was really impressed. I've been impressed with him since he was hired um, on how he leads the program there and how he's done. Um, so I wanted to take a chance and those of Cyclone fans on your that I mean, you guys got to feel good about where you're at as far as leadership and how that's gone. I mean, cause he, he is certainly um, moving things. He has moved things in the right direction. And I think, i similar guys it's always nice going to bed at night no one have the right leader and knowing that whatever else happens after that is going to happen but as long as you got that taken care of and you know that your, your program's in the right direction and you know you're getting the right kids and you're recruiting the right kids and, and folks recruiting little kids right so that way you know you're going to, have, you're going to go to the stadium on Saturday and cheer for kids that oh I grew up right next to him or i grew, you know I, I think that's important in Iowa you know and I think that's something that that uh that both programs have done a, a better job of say that like, nobody wants to play for those programs more than kids that grow up right next door and um, get them in your program. And you're going to see what they're capable of because they're going to give you everything you got. And I think that's, that says a lot about the programs.
2: I, I think what, what both schools do and, in, and we're all three, including Northern Iowa is development. I, I think Iowa yeah. guys develop. And I think that goes back to, What's been ingrained in us with the cold winters and the farming and the small towns uh, is, yep. is the work ethic. And when you have work ethic, you develop. You, you do. You, if you work hard, you will get slightly better and maximize your talents. And I think both programs have those leaders that get yeah. the players to really maximize their talent might be, might be two star guys or some three star guys or a one star guy. I mean, I was a no star, one star. Same with you, Chad. I don't, I don't even know what there were stars back then. I, whatever it was, I I wasn't paying attention, didn't have internet, all that stuff. So, uh, uh, you know, I, they saw me at a seven on seven camp, and we didn't even know what seven on seven was. We we're like, yeah. we, I, we get seven guys? No, what's actually, it's only five receivers and a quarterback and a center, but you don't really need a center. So really it's six on seven. We had no idea. We didn't know the first time we'd ever done that stuff before. That's really how I got a scholarship. So I I do think development uh, of raw athletes, multi-sport athletes, which I know you were as well. I think that's a big thing that both programs do. I mean, Iowa does a great job of getting all these wrestlers that end up being offensive linemen, scrapping it up there on the inside. But uh, by the way, I was thinking, if you want to get into coaching, we'd love to have you at Iowa State. I mean, (laughs) we'll find a spot for you. You know what I mean? Well, well,
0: well, i don't like to watch film that much, and I'm expensive. So you got to take that into consideration. <laughs> Noted. Yeah yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait a second. Wait, you're expensive. You, 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 you know, you've made your cash uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. Thank you to the Will family for those for those multi yes. contracts. Yeah. And I've seen your house on Lake Minnetonka. You don't need any more paychecks. <laughs> Well, your paycheck might barely pay for the taxes on that thing. Yeah. Uh, that. Uh, but not. We 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 really want you to come to Ames, not just to be our coach. We want your daughter Madden to come uh, and be a point guard for the cycle. And yeah. talking about being the father of a freshman in high school, who started varsity basketball in seventh grade. Is that right? Yeah. You have a small yeah. private school. Started in seventh grade for the, the high school varsity. She's a couple yeah. years in now. She's a, she's a freshman. She's been offered by Iowa, Iowa State, Michigan, amongst some other schools. I'm seeing it on the socials. There, uh, talk yeah. to me about what it's like to be a dad. I don't, I, I don't have Division One athletes. They did not, it did not filter down for me. What it has for you, probably helped yeah. that you, you, you're married to a, a cross country runner from the University of yeah. Iowa, sure. and yep. uh, so now you got this, this, this point guard shooter. Man, she, she's just got to. Her form is just incredible you got Jim in your house of course they have they can practice as much as they want yeah the right? genesis so, of this
0: kind of, kind of came from um two parts and part is I, I gave football a lot because I was able to I was able to retire when Madden was nine um and she was just she was in third grade and she was just starting to play hoop. she was, had been playing who's about a year but I kind of took over coach and full into it and um I, I was a hooper growing up, you know, I played high school basketball, could have you know played a lower level division two basketball, but you know, so I had some ability. But my biggest thing was I hadn't been around the game for so long. Like, how do I now teach the game? So I spent a lot of YouTube thing, YouTube, basketball, ball handling, shooting, like and um I had a really good coach in high school that taught me the correct way to shoot a basketball in form, and I was able to kind of teach those things to to my kids young. Um and uh, she's like the fourth best shooter in the house, my oldest. You know, my, my second she's the real shooter. But, no, um, you know, what's, what's fun is Madden just loves to compete. She competes really hard. Um, she loves to go out and challenge. I mean, she's physical. You know, she's, she's probably 5'8". I mean, she's not super long and tall. She's, uh, she plays fast and um, can shoot the ball and competes hard. I mean, I guess I think there's a – you can find a spot for anybody that can do that. And um, you know she's playing high school soccer right now. She was a she played in the ECNL level soccer until this year. We've taken out a club. There's a skills networking now, but she's in high school soccer. She's a state chip in, in the four by four last year in high school track. Um, she just loves to compete, and um, she's a talented athlete, certainly. But what I'm most proud of is just you know when you're talented, young like that, you've got a lot of pressure and extra special especially social media, age, which we've all seen. With young athletes, and she's handled it with grace, and and what it does is it motivates her. It doesn't feel like she it doesn't it doesn't make her feel accomplished. It makes her feel motivated, and I and I like that about that angle. You know, she's uh, she's up to six offers. Of all I mean, really, really good blue blood programs: Creighton, Wisconsin, Minnesota, along with Iowa State, Iowa, and Michigan. Um, just really impressive programs. That we've met some incredible people. Um, she's taking a visit to North Carolina next week. Uh, so the hard part is scheduling all this off along having three other kids you're trying to raise and get them to soccer and basketball and, and all this stuff. But, uh, just really, you know, I think you've had, you've had your, you know, your kids in now and, uh, moved on and been athlete in high school. And, and I know you have at least a soccer player, if not two in the house, say, just like I, you, you see them accomplish something, no matter what the level, um, when you see them work for it and then accomplish it, um uh, just, just different feeling than anything when you did it yourself, and um, she blows me away. I mean, I watch her like her. They won the state championship game or in eighth grade. She won the state title. She was a runner-up as a seventh grader, um, and for her to go in a moment and play, she did so much her, uh, you know, and handle herself the way she did against. You can imagine every opposing team's crowd. Um, they know what they they know what's coming, and they uh, and she handles it. Uh, I don't know if my wife does a lot. She does um, because people aren't that nice, to be honest with you. You can imagine you at a high school crowd, and people aren't super nice to her um, already. So it's only going to get worse as she ages through this thing. But just yeah, it's fun to raise, fun to raise good kids, and a lot of fun to see them accomplish goals that they kind of put in front of them. So so far it's been great. But we'll what's we'll see be? on the we'll see.
2: Plus, it's got to be a little bit of a challenge where she walks into the gym, and my guess is it says Greenway in the back of her jersey. And in Minnesota, there's really only one Greenway. It's Chad Greenway, right? But so she has this target on her back where everyone knows, hey, that's you know, former Viking Chad Greenway's daughter. So even if she wasn't good, they she would have that pressure on her. You know, if she was the eighth girl coming off the bench, that you know, every time she shot, there'd be like is 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 Chad Greenway's daughter any good? You know what I mean? And uh, so yeah, she already has... You know,
0: in, young, in youth basketball, like, when I was... I coached her from uh, third grade up till uh, sixth grade, so then we on to high seven. And um, the hard part for me was removing that pressure on me, that, like, my kid doesn't have to be good. That that's no indication on my career. I, I had accomplished things and been done. I'm done. So I had to make sure that I'm coaching in a way that made sense to her, but the other girls to say, Hey, this is about the girls. This is about the kids. This is about their love for the game. And can I grow that? Can I, can I, um, you know, get these kids to whatever level they want to get to. It's not about what level I think they get to. It's what are their goals. So you know, just in, in the NFL and college, like I have them do goal sheets. I have them say out loud to me, like, what do you want to do? I want to be a varsity starter. Okay. Then I'm going to coach you to that level. I'm going to make sure that you, I'm going to hold you accountable as an athlete. It's great athlete to say you're university player. Well, that's the varsity players act that you know they put the work in. They do this, they do that. Not a crazy person, but learning how sports can teach kids about when you set a goal to say, well, if that's the goal, then here's the trajectory and here's the expectation. You know, if I was playing the NBA, then that's going to be a different trajectory than maybe somebody else. And I'm going to coach you maybe to that level, but to help kids understand, like, what does that look like? To say, like, I want to play varsity basketball. Well, that's not easy. A lot of kids don't play varsity basketball. To do that, it's a certain level of work. And um, that's what i try to take from my experience to say, I'm not going to be a crazy dad, a crazy parent, but I want to make sure they understand what that, when you say something, right, this is what it actually means. Now, how bad do you want what you say? And then you will do that. And I think that's the biggest thing. And, that, you know, and now that Madden has done so well, like all the other girls are like, well, that's what I want. So my next one is Beckett. She's going into sixth grade and she's She's a really talented athlete herself, and it's like the next one. And they all see this now, and they just like they want more of it. They want to take phone calls, college. They want to take visits, and so it's kind of a. I always have told Madden like you set the tone for for our family and how on what we're what we're about, and it starts with your actions, how you treat people. You know, it starts with your academics and approach, and it starts with how you can. If, if you're going to be an athlete, the only way to do it, you don't go out there and not compete. So um, she's certainly done that
1: outstanding stuff chad well we won't keep you any longer and certainly appreciate your time and all the great stuff you're doing we, we got to get you back on because we got to talk about gray duck vodka because it's sold yeah. here in the state of iowa and all the great stuff you're doing as an entrepreneur and in philanthropy as well i know you've uh, been a generous donor to the children's hospital in iowa city and several other places so uh congrats yeah. on all your success appreciate your time and we can get along even for this week right cyclones about guys yeah.
0: I just wish I was the tailgate again. That's all I really care about these days. <laughs> Is what food at the tailgate? So, yeah. I mean, I. It's funny. It, it's I just want to speak on that. First of all, thanks for having me on. It's been a blast to kind of just uh, talk through the stuff. And you know, it's a great game regardless of outcome. I'm excited to watch it. Um, the one thing about it, I go to the game this weekend, and and you know, I'm sitting in a um, in an area with like five of my college teammates. You know that we all we all played, we all lived and breathed and. I've moved on down and um, you look around the crowd and how angry people are and how mad and they're yelling at the quarterback and they're yelling at this and the coach. And, and I'm like, man, I'm like, I just don't ever want to be that guy. You know, I've just been like, I did no pressures, no, the stress. I know what it is. And it's like, it's nice to sit back and say, what's the worst thing that can happen to the Hawkeyes this weekend? Well, the worst thing that happen is they could lose well, okay, if that's the worst thing that can happen, I guess that's okay, you know? And we can all have our banter back and forth and give each other shot, who won, whatever, that that sort of pride in your team. But it's like, at the end of the day, guys, like, that's the worst thing that happens. you can lose, that's it. So it's not the worst thing.
2: I do think there's like a virus that has, that has traveled to this country, probably for a long time. We didn't know it really as players, but now I've been to the stands too. I call it fan narcissism. It's where these fans... <laughs> usually men but not always women too yeah. they definitely know way more than all the coaches on both sides of the ball they definitely mm-hmm. know they absolutely know what they what what should be going on what should happen who should be playing and who should get the ball they know and yep. I, it's it's like rampant and I feel like every <laughs> year I, the more games I go to the more I hear this like yep. telling the coach what to do and College football is comp, when it's complicated from an X's no standpoint, but it's also just complicated from a player standpoint. You got, you know, a hundred guys wow. or whatever on the sidelines and there's so yes. many things going on. It's a huge operation. And yes. in, in, until you've been, until you've been in that world, you just have no idea. Really, I mean, listen. There's there are bad play calls. Don't get (laughs) there. It is there. There are bad play calls, right? They're all we all know. They should have ran it. They should have thrown it. There, there are some obvious ones, uh, but there are uh, there's there's a lot of um, know-it-all coaches that are in those stands who have actually never coached anything, but maybe their kids like a pee league football team. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of (laughs) there this weekend. I'm sure the gray duck vodka will be flowing. Wherever uh, yeah. wherever the the Hawkeyes and Cyclones are, I'm glad it's, uh, it's being sold in the great state of Iowa. And I've had it myself, yep. great vodka. Uh, and Thank you. Uh, yeah, congrats on that. By the way, how did you come up with gray duck vodka? Because in Iowa we go duck duck goose, but in Minnesota they go duck duck gray duck. Is that right? Yeah,
0: it's all a Minnesota thing. It's all it's all uh, the messed up Minnesotans that call it duck duck gray duck. And uh, we just yeah, my business partners. Um, came to me about it's been four years now it's crazy um uh, and then we got the concept of let's build on this kind of minnesota made idea it was kind of floating around but nobody had really put it to work um so we said let's let's be the one so we did it it's been a lot of fun we we've heavily focused on minnesota and the West wisconsin um i came into, and we've kind of retracted back because we didn't have the marketing resources you guess it's a marketing spend it's a whole business model right so from a p&l standpoint it's been like we're we're Gonna enter back in a bigger level, um, but it's been I learned much more than I've ever could have imagined. It's been an absolute blast, and it's uh, it's fun to see something you start with nothing and create that is now a legitimate big time product that is all over. And now we're creating new products, and um, it's a lot. It's been interesting, and I've learned. We've told no a lot, and uh, but it's always fun when you hear that yes.
1: That's awesome, man. Well, hey, Chad, appreciate your time. And uh, let's hope the right team wins, whoever that is, right? <laughs> That's a good guy. <laughs> All right. Right.
2: Thank you, Chad. All right, Chad, thanks for coming on.
1: Your old teammate, Chad Greenway, what good? just a good guy. I like that Hawkeye. I think I'm okay with Chad Greenway. <laughs>
2: You listen, there, there's a lot of Hawkeyes I could have probably called to have on this show and Chad is definitely near or at the top of that list. He's a, I mean small town guy, 26 kids in his high school class, right? I think a lot of you know, Iowans can really appreciate that. Uh, you know the, the Dakotas and, and Nebraska and Iowa and Minnesota and Wisconsin and you know small town a lot of small town people and he grew up he grew up a farmer uh, and, and what I loved about his story is that despite the fact that he's you know a ring of honor, Guy with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, you know, great player and just beloved in Minnesota, one scholarship offer. Wow. And one scholarship offer, not from Iowa, what it is now, one scholarship offer when Iowa was literally at the bottom of where they were. Fairens was truly starting over. And you know, I think they won one game in 99 and a yep. couple of games in 2000. And he went there about 2002. One, so it wasn't yeah. like he was recruited by a big time program. That one scholarship offer was pretty much. Well, I guess I'll take it because it's the only offer I have. And uh, and what a great story that is for him to go there and have a great career uh, playing some huge, huge games and, and really leave his mark, leave his legacy, and and then go to the NFL, leave his legacy there. And now it seems like his legacy is continuing with his daughters. He's got, uh, I think, four daughters and this first one, Madden, eight, uh, freshman in high school, and, and uh, looks like she'll be playing some Division I basketball. And it sounds like there's another one Coming up after that, that is a better shooter than than Madden is, and so really, really cool story. Chad Greenway is a great story. He is a sort sure, of perfect state of Iowa uh, a, a type of person. I think he represents uh, the, the entire state well, and of course, he represents Iowa uh, very, very well. And he and he and I got along great. I, you know, I'm I'm from a coconut, which is a town of six thousand, but really, I was in the Andrew School District, which doesn't even have a high school anymore. So I'm from never that, heard of it. I'm from that type of small town uh, <laughs> as well, and I can really appreciate people who have flown under the radar and just worked and worked and worked and love competing, love playing multiple sports and found their way to get a scholarship and and then made the most out of it. And and that's definitely what Chad Greenway did.
1: Sage quickly, final thoughts on the CyHawk game. What what are you thinking keys for, for Iowa state or Iowa to win on Saturday?
2: Well, I'll tell you, we we didn't really talk much about Iowa state's win against South. No, there isn't much to say. uh, I watched, I went back and rewatched the game. Hunter Deckers looked great. And I'm really excited to see this kid play against, now, you know, as we know, one of the better defenses consistently in the Big Ten Conference and, and you know, sort of real football type of scenario. So guys will be won't be as open. The protection won't be as good. And uh, I'm excited to see him uh, in action gets, uh, you know, gets his very, very good defense. And so hoping it's not a low scoring game. I'm hoping uh, it's a high scoring game If the high scoring game. I really love uh, Iowa State. And, and uh, if we could score 20 points, of course, I like I like our chances in this one.
1: Yeah, I think if if Iowa State can spread out Iowa and throw it, I mean that's the key. And it looked like for me, for my amateur Sage, that Iowa State's best, uh, most reliable offense this year may be going three, four wide and letting Deckers throw it around the yard a little bit.
2: It is interesting that you know over the the last you know twenty whatever years, you know Iowa's had more success than Iowa State, but we've had a lot of success obviously on our end as well. But we, I've always thought we I think we have better skill position players, in particular on offense. I think this year for sure, yeah. Of Iowa. You know, they've always sort of had lines, offensive and defensive line. But, you know, from a from a like a like wide receiver skill standpoint, a lot of times in, in running backs, we've had, you know, our last two running backs have been drafted in the second and third rounds and are are going to be good players in the NFL. I mean, Dave Montgomery is a, a really good player in the NFL already. And, and uh, so I feel like we have that skill position player advantage. And I think we need to take uh, advantage of that as much as we can.
1: All right, Sage. Well, enjoy the rest of uh, Maine. Where are you at again? Bailey Island. I'm in
2: a uh, Bailey Island. Uh, Bailey Island. Driftwood Inn to check it out on your Google Maps. Uh, mm-hmm. It's literally at the end. It's the end of a highway, so it's literally a point just surrounded by rocks and ocean. It's pretty, pretty cool. Old fashioned. I was definitely uh, my girlfriend and I were definitely the youngest people here by about 25 <laughs> years. Uh, but uh, truly, get, get away time uh, from my generally uh, fairly hectic life. But from here travel to los angeles on wednesday i'll be out there uh for about four days and we are going to go to that chargers raiders game which would be pretty sweet and and uh and then i'll be back home back to the midwest back to omaha on monday so i, I assume that's where i'll be next tuesday but you never know i can't wait to know.
1: find out we'll, we'll talk to you next week sage all right
2: sounds good Iowa everywhere.